Just lift out your hands to the Lord today. That song's invitation. It's an invitation to the Holy Spirit. It's an invitation to the Holy Spirit to come to speak to us, to minister to us, to meet our needs, to challenge us, to provoke us. We need Holy Spirit operating in our life. We're never meant to do it in our own strength. We're meant to do it in His strength and in His power. Holy Spirit, today we come into your presence and we say, Lord, we need your help. There's a lot of work to do. Sometimes we look at our world and we see violence and war and all kinds of crazy things going on and we say, Lord, we need your help. The only sane place that we seem to find is when we get in to the place of communion with you and we find in your presence, Lord, that peace comes and strength comes and things begin to make sense again. And then we say, Lord, how do I, how do I take what I'm experiencing now and deliver that to the world? And Father, we need your help. And that's where God, you gave us the Holy Spirit. You gave us the gifts of the Spirit so that we could deliver that peace, that strength, that wisdom, that understanding to the world. So, Father, we ask for your help today. Father, as we dive into your scripture again this morning, we pray, God, that you would, first of all, just anoint my heart and my lips, Lord, that I would communicate your truth and bring understanding to the body of Christ. But, Father, I pray also you activate the body of Christ so that, Father, we would find ourselves working and moving, having our being in the spirit of Christ like never before. Father, we ask it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, doing the gifts of the Spirit today, and uh, today we're going to talk about prophecy. Everybody say prophecy. So far we've talked about the gifts of revelation, which are word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, right? Then we talked about the gifts of power, which is the gift of faith, gift of healing, the gift of working of miracles. Today, uh, we're going to continue what we started last week, which was talking about the gifts of utterance. And last week, we taught, tackled what I think are probably the you know, two most controversial, uh, you know, the gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. And um, today, we're going to talk instead, and I won't spend a lot, any more time on that on review, we're going to talk about the last one, the gift of prophecy. And uh, I think this is going to probably be um, an eye-opener for many people here. And also an encourager and an activator for a lot of people here. So how many are ready? Yeah. All right, good, good. John and Deb, you guys are sitting like here. You guys, you're messing with my head. What's going on here today? My word. Oh, all right, okay. So turn your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14. Hey, Gord, if you're uh, getting my computer signal, put it up on the screen for a second. There, there it is. So we're getting it. Okay, we're good to go. All right, 1 Corinthians 14. I'm going to put that up on the screen for you. So listen to what Paul had to say, 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 to 5. He says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may what? Prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. We talked about that last week when he's talking about praying in the Spirit, right? But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. 
He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more, everybody say even more. Even more more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Now we're going to look at a lot of verses today, but we're going to focus on five statements out of that passage of scripture this morning. And here's those five profound statements from this passage. We're going to focus on these five statements today. Pursue spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. He who prophesies edifies the church. Then Paul said, I wish that you all prophesied. And then the fifth thing we're going to look at, he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues. All right? Let's look at that first statement this morning. Pursue spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Pursue spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Now, when you hear that statement, it begs the question, what is prophecy? What is New Testament prophecy? When you hear Paul say, pursue spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy, especially, what is this thing that he especially wants you to pursue, right? What is this thing that is so important? What is prophecy? Let me give you a definition of prophecy. It's the New Testament gift of a regulated message or report in human words, usually made to an individual or to the gathered believers based on a spontaneous personal revelation from the Holy Spirit for the purpose of education, encouragement, consolation, conviction, or guidance, but not necessarily free from a mixture of human error and thus needing assessment, judgment, on the basis of the apostolic biblical teaching and mature spiritual wisdom. Did you get that? Everybody got that? You're like, what? Man, that's like one huge paragraph. Well, let me put it in simple terms. In simple terms, prophecy is a word you receive from the Lord and you speak over an individual or a congregation that brings them edification, encouragement, or comfort. Want me to say that again? All right. In simple terms, prophecy is a word you receive from the Lord, right? That's all that fancy word revelation means, that you receive from the Lord for an individual or for a congregation, right? That brings edification, encouragement, or comfort, right? Everybody see that? That's what that long convoluted definition was saying. That is what prophecy is. Prophecy was given to us so that we could build one another up. The reason that Paul is saying here, uh, pursue spiritual gifts, but especially that you should prophesy, is because he wants us to operate in a gift that it brings encouragement and comfort and strength to one another. And so that brings us to the second statement. See, we're going through these pretty quick. You guys, man, this is encouraging. Well, pastor has me out the door by 12 noon today, so, you know, just kidding, that's not why. But uh, look at the second statement. He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. And men there is the generic word covering men and women. Just so you know, that's why I put women in brackets beside it. It's not just a gift for dudes, all right? Just in case you were worried. Oh, you mean nobody else can prophesy? No, no, it's for the whole body. Now, this statement doesn't speak to the definition of prophecy. This statement speaks to the purpose 
of prophecy. So the first one really begs the question, what is prophecy? This one speaks to its purpose. What is the purpose of prophecy? It's for the edification, exhortation, and comfort of men and women. Why? Because we all need, we all need encouragement. We all need edification. We all need comfort. And Paul knows that we all need that. And that's why he's encouraging us to prophesy. Now, what do these words mean? The word edification, what does it mean? Well, it means to be built up in a spiritual sense. The word comes from the Middle English word uh, edificare. Interesting. And that simply means to build. So edification means to build, to build somebody up. How many like being built up? You know, when somebody says something to you, and they, Mark, you love being built up, don't you? It feels good. It feels good to be built up. And I got a confession for you here. Men like to be built up, I think, even more than women. I'm just, just, we're just, I'm just this is a man standing in front of you confessing to need here today. All right? I think men have this thing where we just need to be, we just need to be built up. We need to be, you know, we need to fix that deck and no matter how terrible it looks, we need our wife to look at us and go, man, that looks good. Right? And all of a sudden we go, yeah, until we go next door and our neighbor's a carpenter. We look at his, we go, no, mine looks bad. <laughs> but we all need to be built up. Dudes need to be built up, you know? And, and dad, if you want to know what's the greatest thing you can do for your son, build him up. When he's out there working on something, he does a good job, tell him he did a good job. And, 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 and young men, they go, yeah. Now, years later, they'll know you were just building them up. <laughs> But that's important. We're called to build one another up. And, and so, men, I think we have a, a, a greater need for this gift, uh, this aspect of prophecy to be built up. Maybe it's that whole thing of a building. We like to build stuff. We also like to build one another. And so being built up is really important. And so when we receive the gift of prophecy from someone, we're receiving something that builds us up in our faith strengthens us in our faith, fortifies us in our faith. Second thing that Paul says it does is exhortation. The word exhortation means to communicate something, urging somebody, encouraging somebody, exhorting somebody. It means uh, verbal encouragement. It means a call to action. And I think both men and women need this. I think sometimes, let's be honest, we are people who know we should do something, but we don't always do it. How many understand what I'm talking about? As Christians, we all know we're supposed to pray, but sometimes we need somebody to kick us in the pants and get us praying, right? Not true? We all know that we're supposed to spend time in the Word, but sometimes we need to be exhorted. We need to be encouraged to get into the Word of God, right? We all know that we should come to church and worship and get together with other believers, but sometimes we need somebody just to encourage us to say, you know, listen, I missed you last week at church. Man, we just had an awesome time. We need, everybody, every once in a while, we just need a little bit of a spiritual kick in the pants, right? Well, this is the aspect of sometimes prophecy is that. When someone knows that there's an area of your life where you're struggling or whatever, and they speak to that without having any kind of personal knowledge about it, but they come by the power of the Spirit and they just make a simple statement by the power of the Spirit and all of a sudden you know that you're being encouraged to step out and get back into the game again. That's what 
happens when we are being exhorted. You know, it's like what a coach does, right? Stands on the side and says, come on, guys. I know we're down two games to nothing. <laughs> if a team ever needed a prophet, it's the Toronto Maple Leafs right now. I mean, just somebody to come in there and say, guys, come on. Find it on the inside and put it on the ice. You know what I'm saying? Like that kind of thing. So, so anyway, you, you, I, see, you guys are all relating to me really well now. You know, so the gift of prophecy can be used to call the believer, exhort the believer, encourage that believer to get into a place of action, to get off the bench and get in the game. Amen? So he, sa- he, he says it's to edify, right? It's to exhort or encourage. And thirdly, it's to comfort, to comfort. The gift of prophecy is also where, and this is maybe the aspect of it, which is a little bit more helpful for women. Dudes don't usually look for comfort. We're looking for the, our buddy to come along and give us a kick in the pants and say, you can do this. You're going to win. It's going to be all right. But ladies, when men try to come along with all of our solutions, right? They don't want solutions. They want comfort. They want you to just listen to them. Dudes, that's just an insight I've learned after 39 years of marriage. Took me a while, finally got it, right? Is they're not necessarily looking for you to fix it. They just want that comfort of knowing that you're listening, right? And all the women said? Amen. See, and, and here's the interesting thing about the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I need to go. And he said, and when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the comforter. Isn't that interesting? So when we operate in the gift of prophecy, we're definitely operating by the power of Holy Spirit because we are operating to bring edification, encouragement, and comfort by the Holy Spirit to those who are on the receiving end of that gift. Isn't that interesting? Praise the Lord. And so we get edification, we get uh, exhortation or encouragement, and we get comfort from Holy Spirit through the gift of prophecy. That's quite an order. Let's go on to statement number three. He who prophesies edifies the church. He who prophesies edifies the church. The New Testament church is supposed to be a blessed place, a blessed people. Someone say amen. amen. We're blessed because we're blessed by the gift of prophecy. And when the gift of prophecy is not allowed to function in the church, it's no wonder that a lot of times the church walks around with a sour face. You're supposed to be prophesying to one another. You're supposed to be a place where, and a people where we're built up. Where we come and we are encouraged and we're edified and we're comforted all the time. In fact, we're so full of edification, encouragement, and comfort, we can hardly contain ourselves. That's a picture of the body of Christ. And when we cease to operate in this gift, then we start turning on one another. We start complaining about things that don't matter. And if you, if you need me to go down the litany of the history of that kind of stuff in the church, you ain't been around very long. You know, well, I thought the music was too loud. Well, I don't like the color of the carpet. Why'd they put carpet down anyway? Now I can't drink my coffee without spilling it on the carpet. The kids are running around all over the place. Who gave them a flag? They're going to take somebody's eye out with it. I mean, 
honestly, I just, the list goes on and on and on and on. And, and we get to a place where we fall into the trap of focusing on all the negative because we're ceasing to operate in the gift of prophecy. If we came to church instead and said, God, I want a word for somebody today. I want you to deposit in my spirit something that's going to unhinge somebody because they're going to know that they heard from God today. If you come to church with that kind of attitude, the color of the carpet ain't going to mean one little tiddly deal at all. I don't even know what color it is. Amen? Are you hearing me? I'm colorblind. I don't know. Purple, black, blue. It's something like that. Some kind of, I think it was called midnight something when we put it down, so I'm not even sure what that means. But I, it drives me crazy when they give colors. This is just a complete side sermon for you. But when they give colors... Like, like they identified by things in nature or whatever. That doesn't help somebody who's colorblind. Oh, this, this color is called banana peel. Well, was that the banana when the banana was green or when the banana was ripe and black? I mean, you know, it, it doesn't help me. Just tell me, is it yellow or not? You know what I'm saying? That drives guys like me crazy, all right? <laughs> yeah, my preaching your language, hear, hear me. All right, here we go. <laughs> Oh, man. Paul is asking us to pursue a gift that's supposed to build one another up. He understands clearly that the purpose of prophecy is to build up the church. The church should be built up. The reason that the church has been able to stand for 2,000 years is because, thank God, there's been pockets of the church that have built one another up and edified one another up throughout history. And so, therefore, we are still here. And we will not be silenced because we're built up through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Peter said in 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. You got a gift? Use it, Peter was saying, right? As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In other words, stewardship is about if you have something, you're meant to use it. If you don't use it, that's poor stewardship, right? And then he says, listen to this, if anyone speaks... Let him speak as the oracles of God. What does that mean? It means one speaking the very word of God. So you find somebody, you ask God for a word from the Lord for them, and when you speak to them, speak to them as though God was bringing them a word of encouragement or edification or comfort. It's coming from the Lord. You're like, wow, that's a lot of pressure. That can be. It doesn't have to be. It's one of the reasons why the Bible's pretty clear about the fact that it should be, you know, encouraging, edifying, and comforting. When you step out of those three boundaries, there's a lot of pressure on you that that word better be accurate. Right? How many know what I'm talking about? You know, if you think you've been given a word from the Lord to rebuke somebody, you, you better really know that well because that's not what he's really talking about here. I didn't see that anywhere in there that was for edification, encouragement, or rebuke. Did you see that? No, that's not what the Bible says. So here's the good news. If your motivation is to build people up, if your motivation is to encourage them, if your motivation is to comfort them, and you get a word that fits into one of those three things and you share with them, even if you, it was from pizza the night before, it's probably going to be okay. Right? Probably going to be okay. Because your motivation was to build people up, right? 
Your motivation was to encourage. Your motivation was to comfort. And so even if you aren't quite in that place where you're hearing perfect yet, it's probably going to be okay because you're speaking with the objective of bringing that person higher up and further in to the person of Christ. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. You enjoying this so far? You getting it? All right. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 31, he says, for you can all prophesy in turn so that, listen to this, everyone may be instructed and encouraged. So it's like the church in Paul's day was so busy prophesying, he kind of had to say, guys, just a minute. I got, I got to preach here or I got to, you know, we got to change the direction here. So I know you can all prophesy. There's time for everybody to get encouraged here this morning. Isn't that something? The gift was operating so incredibly fluidly in the body of Christ that Paul was saying, there, there's, there's time for everybody to get a word and somebody to be encouraged here today. Amen? It's clear then that the gift of prophecy is intended as a means for broad participation. It was never meant for, you know, one individual to stand up and say, thus saith the Lord. That's Old Testament prophecy. Does it happen in the New Testament? Yes, but rarely. What Paul's talking about is a gift that can be operated in by anybody anytime, anywhere, to build the body of Christ up. Praise the Lord. Let's go to the next statement, statement number four. Paul says, I wish that you all prophesied. Again, Paul reiterates the fact that he wants everybody to prophesy. Now, in this statement, Paul's elaborating on the fact that most New Testament gifts, now hear this, this is really key this morning. If you didn't get anything else, Unplug your ears right now. He's reiterating or elaborating on the fact that all, or most anyway, New Testament gifts are also responsibilities. Now just think about that for a minute. Most New Testament gifts are also responsibilities. Pastor, what do you mean by that? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to explain that. Bible talks about how one of the spiritual gifts in Ephesians chapter 4, leadership gifts, is the gift of evangelist, right? There's a gift of evangelist. But that gift is also a responsibility. We all have the responsibility to evangelize. Follow me? So there's a gift of evangelist, but it's not just the evangelist only that tells people the good news. We're all called to evangelize. There's a responsibility that the gift represents. There's a gift of evangelism, but there's a responsibility to evangelize. Same is true with pastoral care. Some people are called as a shepherd. Mark's an incredible shepherd. But that doesn't mean that Mark's the only person that loves people here in this church. Sometimes it seems that way, you know, because it's just flowing over from him. But the reality is we're all called to pastoral care. We're all called to love one another. We're all called to carry one another's burdens. I mean, the responsibility of pastoral care is everybody's. So there's a gift of pastor, but there's a responsibility that is out there for everybody. Am I making some sense here? Not everyone is called to teach. But if you've ever engaged in discipling somebody, and everybody should be discipling somebody, but if you've engaged in discipleship, what is discipleship? It's teaching somebody from the Word of God. So even though you may not have the gift of teacher, if you've ever discipled anybody, you've taught them. 
You've showed them things from your children to, to you know, your neighbor. I mean, if you, you lead them to the Lord, you have a responsibility now to just disciple them in Christ. And that is teaching them. So there's a gift of teaching. There's a responsibility to teach that falls on every believer. There's a gift of faith. Scripture clearly says there's a gift of faith. We just talked about it a few weeks ago. But the call to have faith is upon every one of us in the Bible, in the body. None of us are told to pray in doubt. You ever read that in Scripture anywhere? When you pray, pray in doubt. I couldn't find that verse anywhere. I looked because I thought it might be handy to have, just to kind of tuck that in the back pocket to, you know, absolve yourself of any kind of responsibility and things. No, no, he says there's only one prayer, and the prayer of faith. So when I come to God, the Bible says, those who come must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's a prayer of faith. It's the only way we're told to pray. There's no back door here in Scripture. So that call of faith is on everyone, but there's a gift of faith that some may exercise. So do you understand? Every gift in the New Testament also seems to carry a responsibility. Guess what? Prophecy is exactly the same. In Ephesians chapter 4, we have the, the gift of the prophet. In Romans 12, we, it's in that list as well. You know, your gift may be that of prophecy. But then here in 1 Corinthians 14, we have it again, that there is a gift of Holy Spirit that is the gift of prophecy. So there is a gift, but that gift points to a responsibility that we all have. Hence why Paul said, I wish that you would all prophesy. Because he wants us all to carry the responsibility of hearing from God and delivering it to his people. It's everybody's responsibility. It's not just Barry's. Sure, Barry's a prophet, and he's recognized that from one end of the country to the other, but, but he doesn't carry the burden to be the only person who's going to, to speak encouragement, edification, and comfort to the body of Christ. There's a gift. There's a responsibility. Everybody say, it's my responsibility. Now, this is important today. It's your responsibility. Not just Barry's, not just mine, not just Mark's. Everybody's responsibility. I think you get the point. So we're called to prophesy. We're called to, to engage in that gift and to bring encouragement and edification and comfort to the body of Christ. Paul writes that uh, the gift of prophecy is, is, like I said, repeated in all three sets of gifts in Scripture. It's one of the few that crosses all three. And yet the reality is it's, it, there's a responsibility that goes along with the gift that every single one of us is called this morning to operate in. And when, when the church does, when the church seizes that gift and walks in it by faith, God can do great things in the body. And we're going to get real practical here in a few minutes, and Jody's going to come up. I'm going to get him to share a story that happened to him just, what, this past week, Jody? And, uh, and I'm going to show you how profound and yet how simple it can be to just hear from the Lord and speak what the Lord tells you. And and to do it with the one thing in mind, right? Edify, exhort, and comfort. Amen? Let me go to the last point here this morning before I turn around. Number five, statement number five from that passage. He said, he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues. And indeed, unless, that phrase goes on, it says, unless he interprets. So the last statement, this isn't meant to degrade the gift of tongues, but to rather point out that when a person speaks in tongues, if it's not interpreted, then they're praying to God, right? And, and when you're praying to God, who gets edified? 
Paul said earlier, he said, when a person prays in the Spirit, what happens? I get edified. So why is prophecy greater than tongues? Because I'm edifying somebody else rather than myself. Paul said, I'm glad I speak in tongues more than you all because he knows the power of being edified in his spirit by communicating with God through the spirit. But he also says, hey, but I would rather prophesy because when you prophesy, the body gets edified. It's that whole thing about it's better to what? Give and to receive. How many remember that kind of thing, right? That old adage gets reapplied in life over and over again. And here it is in the midst of the spiritual gift of prophecy being applied again this morning. That for you and I, uh, to operate in the gift of prophecy is greater simply because it's about edifying other people rather than myself. If we truly, as Christians, live for the benefit and the strengthening of others, it literally leaves a wake of life everywhere we go. And so many times we, we see liberties and things taken away. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't speak out in government. And we shouldn't, you know, be there and, and, and write those in parliament and say, you know, we're concerned about this bill. or we're concerned. I'm, I'm not suggesting we don't stay active. We need to. But so many times I meet people that aren't Christians and they think that, or their understanding, I guess, of Christianity is that all we are is people who are against something. We're not people who are for something. They see us as people who are just opposed to everything that the world's bringing forth rather than being the people who are for the love of Christ being dispersed in this world. And my experience is that when we come to people with solutions rather than all the problems, they're willing to listen. When they see us as somebody who's contributing to the health and the well-being of the situation, they go, wow, I want to hear what that person has to say. But if all they ever see in the body of Christ is people who are protesting whatever it is that they're bringing forth, we lose our credibility. Please, somebody say amen. amen. We need to be not known as people who are against something, but as people who are for something. I am for the church being a solution to the world. I am for the church standing and bringing and declaring everywhere we go life. Hope, joy, strength, grace, mercy. I am for getting involved in our community. You know, one of the things we have uh, at Desert Stream is unique, and many churches don't have this, but if you're going to be on staff at Desert Stream, if you're one of the full-time staff here, you have to be involved in the community. It's just one of the rules I have. That's weird. No, no, it's, it's important. So, Pastor... Uh, Mark Henshaw here, he's, he's involved in the schools. He is, or there, he was, or there serving spaghetti lunch this week over at QE, right? And they, they've, they've opened up to him and they've said, we, we want you to be part of our, what, was it a parent, are you a parent advisory or something? What was that title, Mark? There you go. I don't even know what that is, but he's it. <laughs> go ask him afterwards. He'll explain it to you. And uh, Pastor Martin Fall, he, he coaches uh, high school football and he uh, uh, coaches city football. He's out there. Why is he out there? Is it just because he likes football? Yeah, that's probably part of it. But he's out there. He's got, he's got other things he could be doing. He's got grandkids now, so I know he's got other things he could be doing. Everybody knows grandkids are phenomenal, right? Did you guys know that grandkids are God's way of thanking you for not killing your children? Yeah. Did you know that? 
That is, that is scientifically what they are, uh, you know? <laughs> it's a reward for not killing your kids. You get grandkids, and they're wonderful and uh, absolutely awesome. Amen? <laughs> but, you know, and, and I've been involved in various things in the city right now. I'm, I'm, I've been the vice chair since 2017 of, of Grace Inn, and we're doing everything we can to, to address the plight of homelessness in, in our city. But, folks, we, we need to be people. Get off the bench. Get out there and get involved. And, and the reason I, I make that one of the mandates because I don't want all the, the pastoral team to be sitting in an office doing this. I want them out there bringing what we carry in our hearts to them. And, and in none of these instances are we there to preach. We're just there to love and serve, right? That's it. Whether coaching or feeding or trying to figure out where to find room for somebody out from the elements. We're not there to preach to them. We're there to demonstrate encouragement, edification, and comfort everywhere we go. Are you hearing me this morning? And, and as Christians in the body of Christ, we need to be focused on the same thing. God, what can I do to infiltrate my world with your love? And here's the amazing thing, and, I, and, and, and there's tons of stories that, that we could parade up here, but when you do that with that attitude, then people say, hey, listen, and Mike could tell you stories and stories about this, but they'll say, Mike, what, what, we, I need help with this or I need help with that. And Mike's able to say, well, let's pray about that. Let me tell you what's happened in my life. And, and you, you all know that from your own work experience. And that when you go to, and you show up every day with the attitude that I'm going to bring this to the place where I work, the place where I go to school, whatever, then people will say, wow, I need your help with this. And why are they going to come to you? Because they see you as a solution-oriented person, not a problem person. Are you hearing me? All right? Okay. I want to conclude this morning. All right, look at that. It's only 20 after. Wow. Well, let's go back to the very first thing that Paul spoke in this passage this morning. Verse 1, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Pursue love and desire gifts. So after, and he says pursue love in verse 1, because remember what chapter 13 was all about? Love. So he finishes the love chapter, giving you the context in which the gifts should operate. And then he says, now pursue love, but desire spiritual gifts. That word desire in the Greek is the word zelu or zelo, right? And guess what word we get from that? Zealous. We get the English word zealous, and it means to burn with desire. It means to pursue something passionately, ardently, to go after it, to be intense about it. So Paul's not just saying, you know, and when you get a chance, look into spiritual gifts. No, no, he's, he's saying, pursue love, but desire the gifts to operate in your life. The practice of the gift of prophecy is one of the purposes of Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Paul says, he finishes that statement, pursue spiritual gifts or desire them, especially that you may prophesy. Why prophesy? It was declared by the prophet Joel that in the last days, your sons and your daughters would what? Prophesy. Why? Why? Was it in order that the future, we could predict the future or that we could walk around and warning people of impending doom? Is that why we were supposed to be a people who would in our last days prophesy? No. I think it's 
so that in the last days, when things seem dark and heavy and weighted down, there'd be a people who have a message of hope. There'd be a people who come along to encourage and to edify and to bring comfort. There'd be a people who are armed with love, who have a desire to speak hope into this world. That in the last days, there would be no point in juncture in history where the prophecy gift would be of greater importance and that your sons and your daughters would prophesy than in the last days. When the darker it gets, the greater it is for us to bring light. Someone say amen. So here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to exercise the gift of prophecy here in a few minutes. You might be, what? Just relax, relax, relax. What I'm going to get you to do is I'm going to get you to just get together in groups of a few people. And, and, uh, and then we're going to spend a couple minutes just quietly waiting on the Lord. And then I'll, after we wait on the Lord, I'll just say, okay, begin. When you hear me say, okay, begin, somebody in the group will just speak a word of encouragement or exhortation or of comfort to somebody else in the group. Now listen, if that freaks you right out, and you're like, ah, just say pass, and the other person will do it. And you might say, well, our whole group just went pass, 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 pass. That's possible. But I want to encourage you to just take a step of faith today. You know, to just pray and say, Lord, is there something that I could speak over this person that would encourage them? And, and then do it. Mark, would you just come on up here? I want you to just talk about what happened when we prayed last week and, and Derek prayed over you. Just tell about that. I think the mic's sitting right there. And then Jody, I'm going to have you come up right afterwards. All right? I want to demystify prophecy for you. All right? So here we go. Uh, last week, we broke off into small groups for prayer uh, during our worship time, which we often do. And I was uh, praying with Derek. And he said, how's your week? And I said, it's going good. I said, we're entering into a new phase of parenting through uh, teenagers. <laughs> and uh, I don't know how I said that, but he immediately lay, laid hands on me. <laughs> and uh, he just began to uh, prophesy over my family, which, you know, I was just thinking, you know, nice prayer would be nice. But instead, he was very specific and prophesied a word of peace over our family for the next 10 years, which is the range of our children all the way through teenage years. And I was just sitting there going, yes, yes, yes. Because uh, sometimes you're not expecting that word. And it just filled my sails up. I, after that prayer, I was like on cloud 10 or 11. I don't know how high they go. <laughs> but he just spoke directly to me in my family situation. Uh, and it was spontaneous. It was, it was right on target. And, of course, in 10 years, you know, that will put Lucy, our youngest, up through age 18. So it was very accurate and very uh, edifying to me. I just felt great afterwards. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Not complicated. Amen? Amen. I've got another story for you. Yeah, so about a, a week ago, my wife and I were actually down at Zwick's Park. The kids were playing in the, the park, and, and we were having a, a discussion on a uh, challenging time that her and I were going through, just being honest. And we were getting pretty deep. And during the conversation, I felt it, felt it well up inside of me because I was trying to identify what was going on in my life. And I just felt it well up to say that, you know, no one ever asks me how I'm doing. And I, and I blurted that out. 
And no sooner had those words left my lips than the dashboard lit up on our car and Barry was calling me. My wife says, answer the phone. So I answered it and Barry goes, hey, Jode, I just felt the Lord tell me to call you and ask you how you're doing. And I share that for two, three reasons. Kevin asked me to share it. The other two reasons are, though, to encourage you that God is real. And even more so than that, he cares about every single thing that's going on in your life. And I cannot stress that enough. You couldn't have scripted that. I couldn't have written it out. I haven't talked to Barry in weeks. And the instant that that cross was in my spirit, Barry already received a word from the Lord and was calling me to encourage me. I literally, I, I, we started laughing because it was just like, God, are you like, you're just in the midst of that. So I just want to use this time to encourage you that God is real. He loves you. Don't ever question that. Amen. I hope that helps you realize a couple things. First of all, uh, prophecy doesn't have to be complicated. Barry prophesied with a question. Hey, Jody, how are you doing? Was that five words? And with five words, he was obedient to the Lord and brought encouragement to his spirit, built him up, let him know that God, know, God is real, that God's listening, that God knows everything about him by just listening to the Lord and saying, hey, Jody, how are you doing? Sometimes we, we have this mistake of, of turning the gift of prophecy into Old Testament prophecy, where we think that it's about, you know, uh, predicting the, you know, the second coming of Christ or something of that. And, and to be perfectly honest with you, when churches have tried to operate in the gift of prophecy according to Old Testament prophecy, it's usually when they get in trouble. I remember Edgar Wisenot. Does anybody ever know who he is? In 1988, he published a book called 88 Reasons Why Jesus Was Coming Back in 88. Yeah, true, true story. Sold millions of copies. His sequel, 89 Reasons Why Jesus Was Coming in 89... <laughs> can't make this up, did not sell nearly as well. But, but that's the problem when you make New Testament prophecy, which is for the encouragement, the edification, and the comfort of the body into something where you're trying to, to walk around like an Old Testament prophet who was under an unction from the Lord to speak things which were going to be canonized in Scripture. We're not talking about you sharing with somebody something's going to get canonized in Scripture. That's why the Bible tells us that we, we need to involve ourselves in the process of judging a word when somebody gives a word it doesn't mean you to, to judge it means to condemn it which is what we have in our mind because we think of criminal courts and the judge bringing down a sentence the word judgment literally means just to discern so you can discern hmm does that work for me you might go i don't have any idea what that's about and it might be a week later you go oh my goodness it was god right so we don't shut it down we just go i, I need discernment and that way, if someone says, I think you should buy Bitcoin this afternoon, you might go, oh, I think I'll sit on that for a bit. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, so, so I'm just trying to help you understand that if you focus on the gift by, uh, as being that which brings those three things, either edification, encouragement, or comfort, and you ask God for something of that nature and you share with people, it doesn't have to be complicated, but you're actually operating in the gift of prophecy. Prophecy can mean two things. It can mean to foretell or to foretell. 
the vast majority is simply foretelling. I mean, foretelling, speaking forth something from the heart of God. That foretelling part, very rare. Happened, I think, only once or twice in the entire New Testament. All the rest of the gift of prophecy in the New Testament is speaking forth the heart of God into somebody else's life and blessing them and encouraging them. Amen? Praise the Lord. So let's stand together this morning. For those that are watching online, thank you for tuning in with us this morning. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday on Mother's Day.